Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dry Bones Ministry special podcast series on the Litany of Trust with Sister Faustina Maria Pia. Today is day nine. Truly, I'm honored to be your uh, guide and accompany you on this journey, and hopefully you know that, um, yeah, I really look forward to being able to join you on the the podcast and have been grateful to run into many of you who are are doing it, and yeah, just a, a joy to think about how I'm through technology that I'm able to uh, be there with you uh, and your own consideration and, and diving deep into this aspect of your relationship with the Lord and others and, and even with yourself. Hopefully, you know, I come to you humbly, not as one who has this all figured out, but really on my own journey to grow and greater trust in the Lord. And as I go through these days and pray about each of them, and then ask the Lord what he wants me to, to share. I'm just humbled again and again and again about how much I still need to grow and trust. And then as I've shared with you, just the different opportunities, he keeps giving me, thank you, Lord, you love me so much, um, to trust in him and to to let go. Um, one of the ways that the Lord was really speaking to my heart and, um, yeah, just showing me so much was in praying uh, every single day. The priests have made a promise to pray the breviary, and this is a collection of scripture passages, prayers of the church, and especially the Psalms that he's given. So uh, this was a prayer that, that came up recently and just really spoke to my own heart. This is Psalm chapter 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your merciful love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is a a psalm that just was really speaking to me, and I love how the psalms do this over and over again in different ways. The psalms seem to encompass the whole spectrum of emotions and different experiences. And so this one is just one that really feels... Uh, kind of abandoned by the Lord, being overwhelmed by the evils, by by his enemy, and feeling like the Lord doesn't even care or is not even interested in listening to the the cries. And so how long, Lord, are you going to allow this sorrow to be um, born in my own soul? And finally, in, in the end, there's this great act of decision. Okay, even if I'm going to have my enemy rejoicing over me and rejoicing over this apparent victory. 
I, I'm going to trust in your merciful love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So I love this, right? And, and hopefully this can be a, a, a gift to you too of just how trust really is a, a choice. It's a decision to, despite what I'm experiencing, despite what I'm observing or what appears to be the case, I make this act of faith, this act of trust in the Lord. And especially in, in this case, in your merciful love and in, in your ability, Lord, in the midst of sorrow and suffering and persecution, that your mercy is able to transform whatever it is that I'm experiencing into something glorious, right? I'm, my heart will rejoice in your salvation. You've, you've already won, Lord, and I can place my confidence in that. So, so this is so good. This is an important part of trust, right? That it's, it's this not infusion of magical trust grace. It's these opportunities to choose uh, these different moments in our own lives where we can make these, again, acts of trust and surrender to the Lord. So the Lord just reveals all these different ways where I'm continually being called to, to trust in him. Today, we are on day nine, and we pray from resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past. Deliver me, Jesus. I really thought that yesterday, where we considered our anxiety about the future, it was like, hmm, yep, that's it. That's where I need to really ask the Lord for deliverance. And then today, you know, it's like, oh, wait. Yeah, there's stuff in my past that I still am holding on to. And like, yeah, Lord, deliver me. And here's a spoiler alert tomorrow's about <laughs> restlessness about the present moment. And it's like, I'm sure the Lord's going to teach me even more about that one. So I don't know. How about you? How about you? Where are you excessive uh, in your preoccupation, worry, or concern about the past? Where do you love to stay fixated on what happened in the in the past? And, and maybe it's a, a great thing. Of, of the past, something that, that happened, a joy, a triumph, um, a beautiful experience of love or joy, adventure. They're just like, yeah, that, those were the good times. Those were the proverbial glory days. Or maybe it's the negative. It's the, the disappointments or the, man, I can't believe that didn't turn out the way that I wanted to, or I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. Like, did everybody notice it? Will I ever be forgiven? Will I ever be Will people ever forget? Um, yeah, maybe it's too uh, a relationship, a falling out. And so there's resentment there. And, and there's just like a, a real steadfast, mm, just bitter. Like, I'm, I can't get over this. I can't, I can't forget. Certainly not forgive. And, and these are all ways that the Lord's inviting us to really invite him into that. I love that throughout this chapter, this day, Sister Faustina says this incredible reality, right? That you and I, um, based on our limitedness, are really prisoners of the present moment. We have an ability in our intellect to consider the past and to anticipate the future. But in the end, we're, we're stuck to only be in the present. God, however, has access to all time, has all time. He's most present in the present moment, but everything is present to him. And so in that, that we might really consider how the Lord is inviting us to hand over our past to him.
She says, um, God is outside of time. It's on page 57. To him, it looks different. Not only does he hold our past, but he can also show us his mysterious and transformative presence even there. Do you and I believe that? That he can also show his mysterious and transformative presence even in the past? You know, sometimes there we can get stuck in, um, in really believing that, oh, well, what's in the past is in the past, and it's over and it's done, and it's like, yep, there's, there's nothing that can be done about that. And in a sense, that's true. But in another sense, in faith, it's wrong. It's wrong that we have an ability to, by God's grace and his mercy, to invite him in and to even change our past, to change our past. What, what might that look like? Well, there are so many ways that by bringing the light of God's truth, the light of God's mercy into our past, that we can have, okay, what happened, what I did there, gosh, that was horrible, that was a disaster, that was, you know, like irreconcilable um, in terms of the damage. And yet there can be healing through God, through inviting him into those moments of our past to be able to see, wow, I was actually only 10 years old when that happened. And I, I thought I knew what I was doing and I realized I didn't know. And I also realized that I didn't have the, the wherewithal, that there was a lot of pressure on me and pressure that I was putting on myself. And, and I realized that I was seeking this out. Um, I was just really seeking to be seen and acknowledged. And I just really wanted to belong. And, and what looked like maybe uh, for a long time, I was just doing that out of selfishness or pride. Yeah, I realized I was actually just acting out of a desire to belong and out of a, a desire to be loved. You know, and so all of a sudden it's like, wait, that that was a lot different than when I realized. And I've been holding this horrible, uh, just misery over over this moment and feeling like I could never forgive myself. And meanwhile, like mercy, Lord, mercy, like I, that I need to have on myself and because you have this on me. So this is the perspective of God that he wants us to have, that we might enter into that eternal perspective of being able to see our own lives and especially our past in his light. Uh, Another way that this was made so, so powerfully clear to me was in reading C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. And if you don't know that that book, I would invite you to, um, yeah, to to buy that book or to read the book, however you can get your hands on it. don't abandon this one just yet, but yeah, kind of put that on your docket. It's C.S. Lewis's exploration of eternity, heaven, hell, purgatory, and, and some of those things. And he has this incredible conversation with uh, a soul up there in, in eternity that's able to really teach him about what our lives will look like once we pass from this temporal world into the eternal world. And the insight that is given to him and to all of us is that, you know, for from the perspective of those souls who die in a relationship with God are brought into the, the glory of being with Jesus in heaven, those souls will be able to look back at their entire lives as 
all being bound up in love, in, in heaven, in heavenly glory. Even in the moments of real suffering and real discouragement and real tribulation and real loss, right? To a soul that's in heaven, that's invited the Lord into their entire lives, including their past, to look back on that entire life is to recognize, oh, you were there. You were there. You were transforming. And well, I was in this moment of incredible tribulation and trial. Um, I realized that you were actually working all of that for my own salvation and for my greater abandonment to you. And what a joy, you know, what a, what a joy to see that from that perspective. But the contrary is true too. This perspective is that from the soul who does not die in a relationship with God will be eternally separated from him in hell. And they will look back on their lives and see it all as a misery, all as loss, all as a great suffering. Even those moments of great seeming like um, happiness or seeming love that actually from, from a soul that has so rejected God's love, rejected God's grace and mercy, even the past that seemed to be like, wow, this was great. This was a real experience of relationship. It's like even those will be transformed into but that was actually for myself or that actually wasn't genuine. And, um, and so there's this like continuity based on our eternal ending. I hope that makes sense. Here's how I, um, connected it with this anecdote of this Eve Lavalier that sister Faustina points us to. This is on page 58. Sister Faustina says that Eve could see that throughout her whole life, God had been pursuing her and teaching her that evil does not have the last word. Eve accepted the physical and emotional suffering that she would experience in the later years of her life, saying, quote, everything which happens to us has been foreseen from all eternity for the glory of God and our own greater good, end quote. Here's the line. Christ was changing her history from anger to joy. So, so this is it, right? This is being able to, as I look back to my past and those different things or those frustrations or resentments, when I invite the Lord into it to kind of shine his light of truth and what really was happening there and, and what is the, the way that, Lord, you're inviting me to yeah, really bring your love, maybe to bring about forgiveness, that I can actually allow you to change my history, to change my past, that I've been so angry about this and feeling so frustrated. And and meanwhile, I realized that you were there the whole time. She realized that God had been pursuing her and teaching her that evil does not have the last words. In the moment, it seems like, gosh, Lord, you've abandoned me. Evil is conquering. Oh, wait, but this is the psalmist. But instead of seeing evil all around me, my enemies triumphing, I'm going to choose to trust in your merciful love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So, right, this is for us. For us, where do we need to invite the Lord into our past? Where are those places where we need to maybe just forgive ourselves 
maybe there is some things in our own life where we continue to hold on to and it like just can't forget what I did or what I said or um yeah how I really let myself or let other people down and and that I might not be afraid to invite the Lord to see that and to love me right there in those moments and that I might forgive myself as he and his bounty is so merciful and so forgiving Sister Faustina does this time and time again. She just gives beautiful definitions of trust based on these different aspects. On page 59, she again outdoes herself. Trust, she says, is the expectation of God's goodness to pervade my present, no matter what is contained in my past. <laughs> like I can't get over this, right? Um, without the lens of an eternal love, suffering and death appear to be the worst irre- irreparable evils. If we live only for this passing world and thus feel the losses of the past outside of their proper perspective, we can easily find our life flavored with deepening bitterness and blame. Oh, so trust is the expectation of God's goodness to pervade my present, no matter what is contained in my past. So that, that God's able to see us. He's able to see us right here in our present moment. And our past, no matter how messy, checkered, broken, filled with sin, like no matter what that looks like, that is not a barrier for the Lord to love us right here in this present moment. And as a priest, I've seen this a lot in, in hearing a lot of confessions for these last years. And it's really, it's hard for me. My heart breaks in in seeing those individuals who have a really hard time accepting God's mercy. That might look like people um, just confessing the same sins again and again, and not like because they're committing them again and again, but confessing those same sins that have already been confessed and absolved. And yet there's this sense that but I don't feel forgiven or I couldn't be forgiven. And, and I just still feel so guilty about that. And so I'm bringing it, it back again. And, and my heart breaks because at the core of that, I, I really believe, and there could be different factors, but you know, at the core of that, that is about trust. Am I able to trust in God's mercy that his goodness is able to pervade my present, no matter what is contained in my past, that he's, he really does forgive me. His mercy really is real. And as he gave us in the gospel of John that we're going to enter into next, Jesus gives his mercy to us, but then he also gives it to his apostles and those priests that would succeed them to forgive sins, to show his mercy. And so that we might really accept that. Um, so that's what that's what this is all about. And I think this is really important for us to not be afraid to, to bring to the Lord. A great meditation would be, yeah, that exact place that Sister Faustina brings us to, John chapter 20, where I really enter into the moment of the resurrection, where in fear the apostles are locked in that upper room. Why are they in fear? Sure, they're in fear of the the Jews and just the surrounding um, tensions that are, are growing there for 
their own lives and everything that's that's happened in the last couple of days surrounding Jesus. But of course, they're fearful out of their own sinfulness, out of the ways that they really abandoned the Lord, abandoned Jesus who called them to faithfulness and to great trust, and they all let him down, save uh, the beloved disciple, the blessed mother, and those few other women there at, at the cross. And so this fear that gripped the apostles, right? Like, what did that look like? That fear whenever Jesus stands before them in that upper room, breaking through the walls, those doors that are locked, that represent their own fear and their own hesitation to have any openness to Jesus coming back in. And I love that when Jesus comes and stands among the apostles that night, he brings with him peace. Peace, he says, shalom in Hebrew. And it doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. And then it says that he breathed on them, breathed on them that ruah, that breath, that spirit of God that brings us all the way back to the beginning of Genesis where he breathed creation into existence. So too, his breath, his merciful peace brings about a glorious new creation right? That Jesus wants to create something new in us. That is what his mercy does. He says, I make all things new, that there's nothing beyond what he can recreate and redeem and restore in each and every one of us. And so again, it's like in trust, am I willing to open up my heart to him? Am I willing to accept the reality of what happened, right? It's not just a, oh, everything's good. Nope, not a big deal. I can't get over the fact that Jesus out of all of the lacerations of his body, the scourgings, the crown of thorns, the everything that was just like the, his entire body just filled with wounds and lacerations, all of those are gone. Have you ever thought about this? All of them are gone after the resurrection, except for the five wounds in his hands and his feet and his side. Like he chose to kept some of the wounds and not out of bitterness, not out of a, look what you did to me, but out of a, a way to be able to show, look, even in the midst of great evil, great sin, great betrayal, I've been made new and I'm actually not afraid of the past. I'm not afraid of looking at how our relationship was broken and my merciful love I have made something completely new and I invite you into it. Like what an incredible thing. He invites us into his wounds that have been made new by his love. Thomas, stick your finger into my side. What a beautiful place for us to go in our own prayer and not be afraid to look at those wounds of Jesus. They're there because of us. And yet he holds them out not to shame us. He holds them out to us to invite us to consider the ways that his merciful love can redeem, recreate, make new everything that surrendered to him. As Jesus stood among his apostles that night, this is Sister Faustina at the bottom of page 60. As Jesus stood among his apostles that night, he stands among us now. He is the only one who is fully aware of what our past contains, and he does not want to erase it. The full story of our past is only revealed when imbued with his mercy. And this is what makes the very things that are most difficult in our history have tremendous value.
Brothers and sisters, this is it. Those who trust in the Lord's mercy are able to bring our past and have it not just like forgiven and wiped clean, but allow it to actually have value even now in our life. I can't tell you how inspiring it is to hear those people who are able to just speak vulnerably about their their past and how fallen they were and how broken they have been and the sins they've struggled with. And and to, it's like in the light of God's mercy, they're just not ashamed. It's like, yeah, I was an alcoholic. Yeah, I was abuser. Yeah, I was a womanizer. Or yeah, like let everyone down. Or yeah, I was just addicted to gambling and pursuing my own career and my own prosperity. Yeah, I, I was a mess. I was horrible. Like, like I couldn't have um, been further into depression and anxiety, suicidal ideation. Like I was there, right? Like I've heard people tell these stories. And it's like, and I've been redeemed. I've been saved by his mercy. And that's it, right? Like those are the wounds. That's the, the glory of the full story of our past only being revealed when it's imbued with his mercy and then all of a sudden it all has value and i can witness to uh, the glory of who jesus is that all comes from trusting in him so invite you um, to pray with that to pray with that upper room and to pray with those invitations bringing all of this to the lord and making that choice to in the light of evil sorrow frustration, disappointment, bitterness, resentment about our past to choose, choose to trust in your merciful love that my heart shall rejoice in your salvation that I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let us pray our litany. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The litany of trust. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. 
that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.